Welcome in everybody to Home Field Disadvantage. This episode today is sponsored by no one. I'm your host Stephen Walker and today we have a really great episode. We have Garrett Mitchell and Garrett is from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, we have we have known each other for two years, three, how many years now? I think it's three years now and so we are going to be talking about two things. Two things that are very important to us. Two things that really dictate our lives. The first one is Tennessee football. Garrett is a lifelong Vol fan like myself. So we're going to get into some fun moments and talk about some fun times that we've had watching Vol football. The next thing we're going to talk about is scripture and how us reading scripture in context, not only using the Bible, but also using uh, commentaries, also using just different info, historical context can really boost your reading experience and boost your knowledge of the Bible and give you a historical and faith-based approach um, just to better understand it because it is a confusing book at sometimes, but it is an awesome, awesome book. Um, so me and Garrett have known each other for a lifetime of two years. Uh, so yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, um, so thank you so much, guys. Uh, please enjoy the podcast. Please like, subscribe, five-star review. And if you really love this sucker, I want you to go to the Anchor page right now and give me 99 cents a month. Okay, 99 cents a month to support my future German Shepherd puppy named Wrigley. He needs food. He needs shots. He needs toys. If you want to save a dog today, go give to my uh, uh, podcast channel. So thank you guys so much. And here is Garrett Mitchell. <laughs> so Garrett, uh, we have Garrett here now. Garrett, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so uh, I'm 29 years old. Got two kids, a beautiful wife, um, mm. and uh, been uh, been with her since we were uh, both 16. So mm. high um, school love. Yeah, and uh, we got uh, married in 2011, December 2011. We got two kids. So. Love them to death, and they, uh, Caleb is all over the place all the time. So, he's weird you out. Is there a third in your future? Uh, not at this particular moment. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, that's debates between me and Melissa. Who's, to, who's pro? I'm pro three. Of course, sure. But she just. No I mean, respect for the female body. <laughs> well, you she pig. did, she did have our second child in about 15 minutes. Jesus. So. We don't have to get into that story. Yeah. Yeah. So, All I mean, the that was, intricacies. It, it was a pretty wild experience oh, that was. Dang. So she has reasons that she doesn't, uh, is it uh, too prone on having... This is an 18 and up podcast. Yeah. Okay, so like I said in the intro, we're going to talk about Tennessee football and, and, and reading scripture. Um, I, I quickly want to ask Garrett a question, and this is my fault because I, I didn't give him the information when I should have given him the information. But Garrett, if you could tell us... Five moments in Tennessee football history that you are aware of, not that from the past, right. not from the 60s or 70s, that you have watched since you've been a fan, which is birth, but since you've been seriously following, what are five memorable moments for you? And if you could rank them, rank them, but you, know, you don't have to, so, but just give me five. So up there on my list um, of things that I, the, I guess the Tennessee experiences that I had. Oh, quickly. Uh, How long have so you I'll, been seriously in Tennessee football? Invested. <laughs> uh, I guess I've been a football, or I've been a Tennessee football fan since like probably '95 or so, since mm. I was six years old. I was six, six and '95. Mm. So that was Peyton Manning 
years. Oh, wow. Um, those are the the heydays. So it was it was really, you know, easy to be a fan then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, but yeah. So I started watching it then, and I remember, um, watching, you know, games with my dad and stuff, and that was something that me and him had together. We would listen to the games in the yard and stuff like that while we did. I remember we were listening to a, uh, a, a Tennessee Miami game. Uh, while we were like working in the yard that's just something that i remember in the fall doing and so but then i've been i've been a pretty hardcore tennessee fan for at least since high school i've been pretty hardcore about it mm. and so it, but it's been pretty awful times just takes since, years uh, off your life yeah it really does <laughs> yeah but as far as like the top five moments i would say just of, of the ones that i've experienced uh and been a part of um I guess number five would be somewhere like with uh I remember we went I went to South Carolina game in oh seven ish. I think it was either oh six or oh seven, um, where we had it was like a field goal to win in overtime or something like that and what? Was this this was in the Peyton Manny year with Rick Clawson, was it? Because we lost that game. No 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 no, no Okay, okay. No no no. We we won in England Stadium. Okay. Uh, versus South Carolina. Okay. Um, I remember because like we had my sister in law. That was like her first experience in Neyland, and that was probably that's probably the only major win I've ever seen in Neyland mm. Stadium. Retweet. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was it, you know at the time it wasn't necessarily major, but it I do think it was Steve Spurrier years at that yeah. point it, yeah. for South Carolina. So that that felt good getting that but uh but yeah it was I, I remember that that was just a lot of fun uh kind of grinding that out but um I guess as far as memorable it could be negative as well because you remember it right yeah I, I guess <laughs> I was aiming for more positive but yeah, yeah go ahead but, and give us, but, throw us throw us out some pain but in in my life though in the in my memory most of it has been painful amen yeah yeah so like I remember Pig Howard's oh fumble, fumble in the end zone uh, was, just for the viewers, that was not a fumble, and I will never admit that was a fumble. Was but a, carry on. I, no, I knew it. I knew it the moment I saw it on the jumbotron. I was like, "That's not a touchdown," and it it just broke my heart. And I knew I knew what was happening, and it was just uh, it it completely devastated me. A long trip back home, and I've been to every every Florida game <laughs> in Neyland since I think '08. Oh, jeez. And we, of course, lost every single one of those that I went to uh, until the last one that I didn't go to in Neyland, with the exception of this year, um, <laughs> which we we finally won. And so I didn't make the trip back, but we sucked anyways. But, you know, kind of kind of dropped the ball but in, I was in multiple there. ways. But I was there. So. <laughs> you were there, yeah. So I, I picked so, up the load that yeah, you Yeah, so like all those Florida games were just heart, heart-wrenching. Uh, to go up there for those, um, but the I guess I would say the number one my favorite memory, watching Tennessee football, uh, was James Will Hoyt's kick to win the game mm. against Florida, uh, because he had he because I, I remember specifically um, watching him miss the extra point. Oh yeah, that's right. And just it just was devastating because <laughs> you're just like. Because James Will Hoyt was on point all the time. Like it was, it, it, when I thought of Will Hoyt, it was somebody that was like he's guaranteed 
from from fifty. He's guaranteed. <laughs> and uh, and then to see him miss an extra point to tie what to me was and still is our greatest rival to me. Cause I, I hate Florida. <laughs> And, uh, All right, let's so, talk about scripture now. No, no, it, yeah, they—they are. I—I love. I For loathe sure. Florida. For sure. Um, I love Sean, but I loathe Florida. Well, we don't. We don't. Yeah. Huh? Do we love Sean? Yeah, we do. Okay. We do. Okay. But uh, but I loathe Florida. Um, but uh, to see him miss that extra point was just completely heartbreaking. But then to, for him to kind of get that uh, that second chance and nail a 50-yard field goal just was like funny story. Pan- pandemonium reigns. My dad was at that game. My dad's not even really a Tennessee fan. Uh, he was at the game, and he tells me that after the game, he was in the car, of course, in traffic everywhere, and a man comes up with blades of grass and sticks it in the di- in his nose from the car and says, you smell that? You smell that? And then he, of course, he was drunk, of course, but... yeah. That was a memorable moment that I didn't even really ever know. So, hmm. but what, hey, what was your favorite? Moment? I'll tell you what. I got five. Okay. Okay. Number five, Auburn twenty eighteen. Now, now I have been watching football seriously as a Tennessee fan since two thousand eight. Okay. So therefore, I don't have a lot of good memories. So, okay. Auburn twenty eighteen, this year, the spearhead win for Jeremy Pruitt, who we'll talk about next, but. I just think this win's going to look back, and we're going to say this was a really big win for mm-hmm. him and his program. And so I, I would put that in my top top five just because it was an SEC West win that we haven't had since, what, 06, I believe? Oh. It's been a long time. Definitely. Uh, on the road. Wait, wait. An SEC West win on oh, the road. Yeah, that's been a long time. I think time. it's been 06 or so. But anyway, so that was top five. Top four, number four, um, South Carolina, 2013. Our first top ten win was against that, an AP was team. That the blacks? No, no, no. That the blacks was 09. That's the right. The black jersey. 2013 was the first time we beat a top ten opponent right. since 2009. Oh, that was Butch Jones. But yeah, first year. Th- this is how bad it is. <laughs> this is how bad my viewing experience is of all fam. Okay, so that was awesome. I remember getting into my car, driving around the Memphis area with my orange and white pom pom, screaming. Literally did that. Um, Number three, Georgia 2016, mm. the Dobnail boot. Yes. I have a really funny story about that, but we don't have the time for that. But it was just an awesome moment. Number two, the coaching search. <laughs> the coaching search of 2017 was the most one of the most memorable moments of my viewing career. Where we realized that we were like the most gen- judgmental group of people. But it had to be done. <laughs> it had to be done. Where we sacrificed a human in order to get a better coach. It had to be done. Yeah. <laughs> Some sacrifices have to be made. For the greater good. Winston Churchill, yeah. 1943. <laughs> For the greater good. No. Um, number one had to be Florida 2016. Okay. I'm surprised you didn't even say that one. Uh, You know, I guess as far as it being, I think of top five as outside of this decade. <laughs> because, <laughs> because there's just not been. But the, just the. The release, the the, the feeling, release, the feeling of like oh, we're not the underneath. comeback. Yeah, we're not underneath that curse anymore. But the Jawan Jennings roast of Tease Tabor. That was great. That was man. Cool. Jawan Jennings, maybe a top five ball, favorite ball of all time. Go, Tennessee oh, football. Man, uh, Al Wilson, mm. for sure. He was he was a mammoth. Watching him play in the late nineties was just oh that I mean that's part of what you know. 
built that team, you mm. know, those teams that I that I started. That's what Tennessee football and, and, is. And like I'm saying, like do you do you remember a peerless prize catching that football no. in the national? I was two. I was like, too that, that is a, a peerless prize catching that ball. I mean, it was just. I mean, it it was beautiful, and you know him and him and T. And and it was incredible to watch T come in the year after Peyton. Mm-hmm. You kind of have like that. Some people say he's better quarterback in college than Peyton was. Uh, well, I'm not that. I, th- I think I think there was probably that. Um, you finally kind of had that that one star player. It it wasn't all about Peyton Manning anymore. It mm-hmm. said it was more about the the whole team not that Peyton was trying you know I don't know that he tried to take away not from the selfishly man. he just he just was so great that you know it was it all became about Manning and where um with T that team was just so much that it was the team that won that and know? people forget we were close to never even going oh yeah the Arkansas sure. fumble yeah the Syracuse opening game. Oh yeah, year. yeah. Well, which I'm not, I'm we, saying like an experience. Yeah, no, but Syracuse that that first game, you know, like I don't know that we should have won that game, but there was a lot of there's been there were quite a few instances through there that was like makes you wonder, right? Spiritual beings. Oh gosh, <laughs> we just it's not worth it right no. now. <laughs> no. Um, I my favorite ball. It's between Alvin Kamara and John Jennings. Okay. And like but, I said, but I Alvin's career was so short. And he went to Alabama first. Yeah. But just the essence of him, like the the pre, like he was just so cool. Yeah. And man, I would, uh, and Jawan Jennings is the hardest. Like the the he embodies a love of football and the love of the university and the team. Like I've never seen it all. Of my personal, yeah. Yeah. like I've never seen just like a, a man that. We, okay, so for instance, I was at the Vol Charlotte game. Yeah, we're at the Vol walk, and everybody's walking through, and they got their headphones on, they're all serious and walking through, and then all of a sudden, this dude in a seersucker suit with an orange tie and these bright orange sneakers comes by, jumping around, having fans running around, and it's Joan Jennings. Yeah, and it's Charlotte, <laughs> and of course we played like it was Charlotte. Yeah. But it was like, I've never seen a player that excited about a game that was so pointless. Yeah. That he didn't even play in, by the way. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he 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 did. I he might even dress. I think he dressed out, but I don't. I think he may play one yeah. or two snaps. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I can see like Alvin. Um, that he if man, if he had had a better mm. coach than what he had, if he would have played. Right, right. I mean, because uh, his breakout game in the Texas A&M game, it was that was just Gosh. like he took the whole team on his back, and it was unfortunate we didn't come out with a win on that one. But because uh, he played, he played lights out that night, and so that was he was fun to watch in that game for sure. Yeah. And then like uh, recently, I guess as far as recent players are concerned, you know. Um, Cordell Patterson. Oh yeah, he was fun. He was I like he was, he was like Patterson. a uh, uh, he was like a joystick. You know, like oh, he just yeah. kind of lean. You know, he just like lean. And just glide. give him the ball. Yeah, oh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, he he was so good. Yeah, and so we had him one year with Derek Dooley. You know, and it's like man, if, I I really think that Pruitt has 
that he is really coaching this team. Oh and, yeah, and teaching them how to play. And well, you and me, uh, you and me are kind of debating on the Dewey thing. What I think Dewey was an excellent offensive mind. Like I, we put up crazy numbers. We did for sure, but I I I think I would credit more of that to Cheney than no. Dewey. And that Dewey was Dewey was able to recruit receivers. Really, yeah. Really oh well. yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Justin Hunter, uh, he played really well. Unfortunately, Derek Rogers. Yeah, Derek Rogers. I mean, they they had they had the horses. Cornell Patterson. Yeah. Recruited. And then you, know, I've never seen a quarterback throw a ball prettier than Tyler Bray. I mean, he just he had if, a. If he, he was not an form. idiot in his mind, he he. <laughs> He I'm, that it was a rocket and it was accurate. The only thing that he did wrong was he threw it to the other team. Well, I mean he. Yeah, I mean I think I think that's going to happen. Though. I mean just as a quarterback, he's just a gunslinger. Yeah, I mean, but he was he was really good. I I just man, uh, I can't remember who it was right now. I I just he he had some really really um, pretty passes that I remember. Oh, yeah. from his time, but I I credit that more to Cheney. Than I do to Dooley, okay. I think. Well, but I mean, of course, Dooley was the head coach, so you got to credit that somehow. But if I think, I think if, um, if Derek Dooley had hired a better defensive coordinator, mm. that he might Instead of actually, South Missouri. <laughs> he might actually still be at Tennessee. Oh, I believe he had the charisma. Yeah. If if he um man, who was the who was his. South and Sari. No, no, no. The one before that, he went. Uh, Justin. No. No. Uh, he went to Washington. I feel like. Anyways, the defensive coordinator before South and Sari, he was pretty good. He was okay. I mean, he wasn't lights out. But if he just stuck around for that last year, I, I mean, we'd have had a dynamite team. Oh yeah. I think. The, yeah. But our South was our defense. Was just. I mean, he. You know, he came in with all this hype, but he he had never been a coordinator before. And he was, he was awful. Yeah, he was pretty much garbage. So, worst moment for me in this past like decade or so of watching was definitely Oklahoma twenty fifteen. Mm. Like because, and it could have been Florida twenty fourteen when we lost by a, an interception by Justin Worley, rest in mm. peace. But knowing that we had the team that we did in twenty fifteen and all the hype and like we were up seventeen to three going into halftime. And I was in Neyland. It I've never. It's never been louder. Yeah. I've never experienced Neyland Stadium any louder than it was. Like I, I it was deafening. Yeah. And I, we broke the decibel record then. I think so too at that game. But anyway, that's not important. But and and just like seeing Butch Jones on the half yard line on fourth and goal, not go for it when you have the home crowd behind you and the defense playing like it did. That's when that's when I knew. That's yeah. when I knew. I was like, okay, Butch. Th- yeah. There's there's something wrong. You got guy. a you got the most dynamic quarterback. He, I mean, he was gonna have. And you got a bruiser in Jalen Hurd. Yeah. Who at that point was putting up some pretty good numbers. Yeah, he was for sure. And so it's like we had all the pieces, and yet we. Oh. <laughs> I felt like my heart was ripped, <laughs> ripped out of my soul that night. That's that's how I felt with the with the Florida game with the it was in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were up like 9 to nothing or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was super low scoring. And yeah. you get down to the last two possessions. It was 9 to 3. Yeah. Uh you get down to the last two possessions and you, you the last possession you give up a touchdown to 
the the like backups backup quarterback Trey Harris yeah. Treon Treon Harris yeah yeah it like it just totally just rips your heart out and you go home sad and that's been the majority of my trips home. <laughs> You know what's interesting? So, and me and you were going, didn't and we? So we have a curse. Yeah. Because every game we went to, and even games we've gone together, we didn't even know each other at that point, we've lost. Mm-hmm. And I went to the Charlotte game to redeem myself, to claim that the curse is over, and yet they played awful. They scored one offensive touchdown. And so I'm really scared right now that we're going to go to Neyland Stadium Saturday against Missouri and get our tail kicked by Derek Dooley. That... That's the part that I think will make. See, me I never, sad. I never hated Dooley. No, I don't hate Dooley. I just don't want to get beat by our previous. That's our true. Coach. That's true. That's all it is. It's it's the same as, uh, you know. It doesn't sting as much to me. Florida, though. Florida does not want to lose to Will Muschamp. Oh, yeah. Period. I mean, and you know, not only because he's, you know, a jerk a lot of the times, but also I think Dan Mullen's the, more of a jerk than I don't know Muschamp. Yeah. I don't yeah. something about Dan Mullen. It's got he's got that punch me face. The wrong way. Yeah. Well, but that I think that just comes with the Florida coach territory. Right. They're all just awful people. Yes, they are. They're all horrible, horrible human beings. <laughs> just because they're Florida coaches. So we're gonna get a Saturday score yeah. prediction. Um I, I my score prediction. I'm gonna say, man. Are we checkering Nayland? Thirty-one is thirty-one is too many touchdowns. For Missouri? No, no, no. Thir- thirty-one oh. for us would be too oh, many yeah, touchdowns. Yeah. Um, I think our max is twenty-four. Honestly, yeah, I, I'm gonna say 20, twenty-seven, and I think our defense really pulls us out in that. Uh, I'm gonna say twenty-seven uh, to twenty-one. So that's my prediction. Balls, of course. So you're saying we win this game? Yes. Knowing what you know, yeah. Knowing the history, yeah. I'm always uh, dangerously optimistic. No, oh, yeah. Before games, so I, I, you know, I could tell myself before the season, I'm like, all right, we're uh, we're five and seventeen, but whenever the you know first snap goes, I'm like, we could win it all. <laughs> Yeah, I I think if our offense plays comp, that's the thing. Our defense is going to be good, but if they're tired in the second half, they're they're going to throw all over us. Well, I mean that, that's the that's going to be the key to the game, right? Is to get, get can the, the offense sustain yeah, drives? Yeah, keep keep the offense on the field. You don't necessarily have to score every time. You just have to not get, go three. And get out. down to like the fifty and make yeah. it and pin them. Yeah, but we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're not going to score because we're not a good offensive team. We don't have a good offense coordinator. Our quarterback is the wrong quarterback for the job. I'm sorry. It's true. I mean, I just don't. I I just don't think that he's not lived up to his potential. I, Chris is. He has shown. He's shown a lot. He's the better quarterback. He, he's shown a lot in whenever he's been in the game. I do think that one of the things with Garantano is the fact that he will be with us for two more years, and so you want to try to get him more snaps in a in a, what Butch would call year zero, right? So. Uh, <laughs> So we have a bunch of young individuals. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh my gosh. Um, but the, Garantano is more of a quote future um, for us than playing Chris. The experience right now will pay off. Long I, see, that's where we did. I think a bowl game is so much more important, and and they're probably going to make it anyway. But I, I, I think we already have seven wins by now. 
I think we beat South Carolina, and we definitely. Yeah, but I don't think we'd have six wins right now. We we'd have six wins right now. I think Keller Chris passing ability and the way he delivers the football on target every time and the way he gets rid of it quicker than Garantano does. And Garantano doesn't even use his so, legs. So there's only one. There's really only one game we could have gotten South Carolina with South Carolina. But that's that's the one game we need. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But and, but to say if we if we get to a bowl game this year and. You know, even with Garantano as quarterback, which I think we will. Um, Me as well. And but we we get to the bowl game, we get that extra practice, extra play time. Right. Then you. Yeah. Then the next year we will have uh, invested more in a player that will still be on our team. Um, that that's when I think if yeah. we make a bowl game, it's the right decision. Yeah. And so far, I have not thought that we we're going to a bowl game, but due to this. Recent successes. Well, Auburn, Auburn really set us over yeah. for that. I think that was that was the. Well, a lot of people had fears about Kentucky, and huh? so. Do what? A lot of people had fears about Kentucky. Oh yeah, for but sure. we I mean, do. They were, hey, they were we do what we do. They were ranked number eleven. We do. I mean, we, hey, rinse repeat. I, I get that that's Kentucky. Rinse but repeat. At the same time, you do have to say rinse repeat, Kentucky hey, fans. You know, Pruitt beat the number eleven team in the country, so that makes. That, he knows we did this. What you, what's your overall grade of Pruitt this year so far? Uh, I think a B plus. Mm. I would say that too. I'll give him a B. Yeah. I, I just the way the defense looks now, it's just they have monumental. They have improved considerably. Now our our competition has gone down. I think from the beginning of the year. I mean, you're talking about West Virginia, who's they got one loss right now, right? It, and then Will Greer plays out of his mind. Um, and then I think Florida. Um, they're worse now than when oh, they started. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, I think but, they just but, exposed but themselves. Florida, but Florida, I mean, we had a, so many mental errors that, I mean, not, I'm they not, got saying, our number, I'm not saying that we wouldn't have won, that we would have won the game, but, I'm, you know, we could have done a whole lot of things to improve that for sure, uh, that we just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think our defense has improved over – all those and but those were those are definitely lesser or we're we're playing lesser competition than what we right, saw. Right. So you're gonna that it's November gonna look, push. It's gonna look like we're playing better, but because we did the same thing with Butch. Jones, oh yeah. Where where we but, finished Butch, five and zero. Oh. Butch loses you know the first five or something yeah. you know and but wins the back five and he's like we're five and zero oh coming into the season you know and it's, and that, that's what I love about Pruitt is he's the opposite of that he's like okay whatever yeah know. yeah I I do I like his. Uh, his bland attitude. His temperament. Yeah, I I definitely like the straightforward. Uh, Have you seen those of, pictures of him just like looking yeah. so melancholy? Yeah, just like, like, I did not want to be here. Yeah, well, I can I, I can I watch him film right now. I don't now. understand why we even make him do the the coaches show. It's like okay, he's just he, something he's coaching. I, yeah, I don't know why. That's just more time that he's got to spend. That's not, a good point. Not coaching, or that he's not with his family. When he already probably doesn't spend a whole lot of time with his family, so we're like, "Look at you, hey. Mr. Personal." No, I'm just, it, you know, it's something that I've I've always wondered, like, why do we make these coaches do this stupid coaches show that only people only watch to just be like, "Well, I can't wait to see what Brute says about nah. the loss," you know, like that's that's the only piece, reason people watch it is for that, and there's really not much else you get out of it ever. Like, yeah, there's that play that we scored <laughs> a touchdown. Yeah, Way Bob, I think it was very crucial. Right. No, I mean, like, why not? What? Just cut him loose of that. Get grief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
know. That's an interesting take. I hate, I hate Last question. Who plays Alabama for second place? I mean, I, I think right now you have to go to Clemson. Really? So you think they're that, they're that two seed? I think so. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't – right now, I mean, I think if, if Alabama loses – uh, oh to, yeah, to, uh, to yeah. Uh, I mean that's a big deal, but you still have to ask like where are they going to get the points? Whoever's going to beat Alabama, oh, yeah. you got to get points. They they could beat anybody three to nothing. Right. I mean that's what it feels like right now. I mean what they just had like two two shutouts in a row mm-hmm. against top twenty five opponents. Yeah. With well LSU's offense wasn't I mean, that great, but Mississippi State had a pretty. They good just offense. feel unstoppable, and even even with their their. Two starting quarterbacks out. <laughs> their other three star backup. They don't yeah. have three stars, man. I mean, they're all. You know, I'm sure all of their quarterbacks are five stars. I, I've just begotten. I just become so numb to them. Like it's like the third Saturday in October rivalry. Like, yeah, I don't like. I them. don't even hate them anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's just not. It, yeah, I hate my Florida. my brain has evolved to like, yeah. like, help me survive longer. Yeah. By just not liking. Yeah, Florida. I think I think the Florida. Like my hatred to Florida has been all the time. Yeah. We've been so close, yeah. and it's been ripped out from under you. You know the the hail mary pass last year. Oh, you know, and it's you know things like that. Times like that where you're like, yeah. we almost had it, but with Alabama, it's been so long <laughs> since we've been anywhere close to that. Close. And I we mean, got close in 2015, but it just yeah. or 2016. I don't. Th- I don't well, we only lost by like five. Remember, we were ahead and with. Two minutes in the fourth quarter, and I told my dad, I said we gave him too much time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but it, it's been since Kiffin that I really believe we could win. Oh yeah, yeah, but I think we have a future, good future coming. I do too. But we've said that before. Yeah. Yes, three years from now. <laughs> next <we>. year. <laughs> yeah, hey man, hey, Pruitt year three, baby. Yeah, watch out, it's yeah. coming. Well, this is year zero, so that's like so year two. Now. So year two. Yeah, we're just trying to get the butches them out. Yeah. What an awful human being. You know, well, he's, uh, you know he punched a guy in practice? I'm just kidding. Well, well uh, that was a helmet. I thought that was a helmet. Part of his body, yeah. you know, it's like punching a dude. It's a fell on a helmet. Like, quaint. Yeah. All right, so let's go get into our next topic. Okay. Which, I, I don't even have a word to describe. Scripture. Yeah. Tell me this, Garrett. What is so important about reading scripture in context? Why do you think that matters? <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I think right now I I look at our Christian culture right now in the United States, and I just see I see so much of people. I mean, we all we want to do is take one verse and we want to put it on our Instagram. Mm. We want to put it on Facebook with that or whatever. filter. Yeah, or you know, with that background that curse that of water. You know, like there's there's gonna be some those rain honestly behind it. inspire me. There, there's gonna be rain behind it, mm-hmm. or some, or the sunshine, and you know, like but we like I think we just go look for that one mm-hmm. that one verse or something like that, and you know, so often like we don't even know what's structured around that. Why why are these things being written the way they're being? Who are they being written to? Um, who's it addressing? And you know, who's it being written by? And you know what are their goals and what they're writing and I don't know I just think I think we've gotten so far away from um actually trying to go to scripture to um learn 
I guess to seek out who God wants us to be and what He wants us to learn, and instead we go to Scripture to um, to assure ourselves of the things mm-hmm. that we already believe. And you know, whenever I, th- I think whenever we read it in context, you know, we start to context. Uh, yeah, con- context. You said context. Uh, well, yeah, well, uh, context. <laughs> when we read it in context, we just it. It start. I think what Scripture naturally does is it will. It starts to form us and change how we view things and why we view things the way that we do. And um, I think so often we've just gotten so far away from that, and that we, um, you know, we really just take these. You know, we we just go to a, a a subject of love, and we like. All right, what are all the yeah. different chapters in in the Bible that talks about love and what it means and stuff and you just take it all out of context and you don't know what it was really written for and to. And that's where we get into trouble with, um, you know, different social issues and, oh, yeah. like that and how, how love is viewed. You know, like we say the word love and it means a hundred different things, but, um, you know, but to I them, love apples. To, to them, yeah, exactly. Or I love pizza. I love my wife. I love, I hate Florida. Yeah. I, yeah. I hate Florida. I love Tennessee. You know, like surely I don't love all those things the same way. <laughs> Um, I, I sure hope I don't love pizza the same way I love my wife and you know and I'm sure she she feels the same way about that and um, but you know we just have that one generic word and what does that really mean how like how does it get used in scripture we just it just says love okay well does that mean that we're supposed to um, have have warm fuzzy feelings for the person next to us all the time um, and you know, I think that's sort of what gets developed is that, oh, you know, like it's a love, love has no bounds, you know, love, mm. love is great. And so, you know, if, if I want to love, you know, this other woman, that's not my wife, then that's love, you know, love mm. has no bounds. So what you, why can't Amen, brother preaching. So it's, but that's not, but that's not what the scriptures are trying to get to. Right. They're trying to talk, they're talking, when they use the word love, they talk about agape love, which is service love. And, um, and doing things for other people even when you don't feel it and that that is an ultimate type of love where um, even when you don't want to do something that you still serve them anyways and so I think that's that's the type of love that scripture pours out but we take our culture and our context of love and put it in put it in the scriptures uh, instead of extracting from the scriptures what it wants to tell and we us. gotten and we've gotten so comfortable with that too to like to mm-hmm. when we hear something that's maybe different than our worldview, like in terms of the Bible, we kind of second guess it. Like mm-hmm. I did tonight at yeah. Bible study, I heard something that okay, that doesn't sound right at all. Yeah. But then you're like, why? And I'm like, well, right. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> and so I, I, it's detrimental because it can prove that, you know, if, if there's a young Christian or a Christian who's just recently been baptized, or even an older Christian, not in terms of age years, but of Maturity, Faith, maturity, I guess. Uh, you know, I guess yeah, uh, sure. Um, it it's so easy to have this shallow faith and not know the the intricacies of scripture to point when if someone comes around and questions you and you don't know anything about mm-hmm. it, that's how we lose Christians, in my view. I think that that's one of the reasons why there's a statistic there's a statistic that says like half of Christians that go into college are not Christians when they leave. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because they get in front of these professors and they get in front of all these people that have different worldviews and say, okay, well, prove that. Right. And you start to think about it internally and you're like, well, I don't know. Yeah. And so you instead of you know going through that struggle, 
you just say, well, the easy way is just to hit the road, Jack. Right. You're faced with, you know, like what we covered tonight with Genesis 1, you're faced with, or Genesis 1 and 2, um, you're, you're faced with that decision of like, okay, either I have to completely deny uh, science and accept this is truth, mm-hmm. uh, 100% literal truth, uh, or I have to completely deny scripture and say it's completely wrong, it's off its rocker, uh, and accept science, you know, or whatever. Like, that's the that's the choice that people are given, which is totally bogus, bogus uh, and not what those scriptures are intended for in the first place. But uh, I remember whenever um, I was a freshman at UTC, I took an Old Testament class uh, that, um, that you know, it was just not like an elective and stuff for me, but I was really interested in it, and uh, we went over Genesis 1 and 2, and uh, the, the professor portrayed it as, look, these two, these two scriptures don't say the same thing. This is wrong. It's obviously mm. wrong. Uh, and, you know, at the time I was like, well, I don't know. I didn't even know that existed. And it's in the first two chapters of Scripture where you have the um, the creation story is laid out in chapter 1. Um, you know, God created this, 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 and then he created these beings. And then... Uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> you know, uh, but then in chapter 2, you have a totally different order of God's creation um, where humans sort of come first and then things come after that, which is different than what chapter 1 is saying. And so that sort of rocked me. It was like, oh, wow, like, how does the Bible contradict itself this way? And But whenever you sit down and you read it, you're like, all right, there was an author that put all of this together, um, and they knew that. Like, it, they knew what they were reading uh, and could understand that these are laid out in different ways. But the purpose of it, and whenever you think about the author, author writing it to the peoples that are around them, um, they're not trying to give a um, a... 100% literal, here's exactly what happened, and we saw it all happen, this is exactly what happened. That's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to show who God is in relation to us. That's what they're trying to teach us. And that's what chapters 1 and 2 are about, is who God is relative to who we are. Uh, where did we come from? Well, you know, we were created by by God, uh, and we, create, we were created in His image. And they're trying to tell the people around them that the the kings that, that they say that they're created in the image of God and that we're not, they're wrong. That's what they're trying to tell the people around them, that you, you each each individual of us, of peoples, of mankind, are created in the image of God. And that's what they're trying to portray to those that are next to them. And they're also trying to say that Yahweh is not just a God. He is the chief God, and he created all of this, and he's transcendent from us. But then chapter 2 is all about how he's both not not just transcendent, but he is also um, you know, completely personal with us and that he walks amongst the garden with us. You know, that's what he wants. So he's completely separate and we can't reach him, but at the same time he's with us. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, that's what chapters 1 and 2 are trying to do. It's not so much... Um, trying the to earth is 6,000 years old. Yeah, I mean, that's just not what it's trying to do. And that's why, it, and we, we've rooted our beliefs in that mm-hmm. in, in so many ways. And that, like, once that's challenged, it's like, oh, now I can't believe anything that it says. And it's like, what? 
why did you root yourself in that? Like, why did you root yourself in the belief of that particular? It, I'm not saying that it can't happen. That mm-hmm. there's no way that God created the earth in six days. You're, you know, created everything in six days. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm saying I don't know. And but I'm trying to get what, what did what the did author, what did the my author mean for me? You know, what did what did he? And what story is he intending to tell? And uh, what are we? You know, how are we a part of that? And so you know, it's just a trying trying to look at it that way as opposed to making the bible fit my cultural um narrative yeah i mean worldview yeah exactly like we're just we're trying to put our culture into the bible and you just can't do that that's just not it, the way it won't work and, no you can't do it i think too just it, this is a radical idea of when you actually study the bible and read it in context it's actually more clarifying oh for sure <laughs> and so it's it's like we I, we've been fooled, and me, myself, and I'm sure you as well, growing up, of, of just, well, you were a Christian when you were 18. Yeah, I, I, I became a Christian when I was 16. Or, but yeah, you, you, 18, did, you didn't grow up in church, did you? I, it was on and off on in and church off. Uh, with my dad, um, not so much with my mom, and you know, but um, it was something that I was aware of, um, but I wasn't sure how important it was to me. And so I, I was obviously, I grew up in church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night, anything. And I'm just now figuring out at 21, now I'm 22, but at 21, I, the Jonah story. Mm. The Jonah story to me blew my mind. Like, we're teaching our kids the entirely wrong thing. Yeah, for sure. And I get that there, there's a point there, but at the same time, it, Jonah didn't want to preach to those people. No. He didn't want them to, to to become, you know, followers of God. He didn't want them to be forgiven. And yet we're told something completely different, that Jonah preached the gospel after he asked for forgiveness and yeah. all was well. And it's totally not like that at all. Yeah, the, the story ends with him being so ticked off at the whole situation that he's just angry with God. Mm. And it just ends with him just sitting there and God asking him, <laughs> Why are you feeling this way, Jonah? And then it ends. It just yeah. abruptly ends. And the the whole point in Jonah is not for us, for us to look at Jonah at the beginning of it and laugh and say, you know, how how funny this is a prophet of God and he's doing all the things that a prophet mm-hmm. of God shouldn't do and you wouldn't expect to do. And all the people that aren't prophets of God that that are that are uh, pagans you know, they're doing all the things that a prophet of God should do, and you're supposed to be laughing about it, and you read through it, and then you see that Jonah, you know, Jonah's angry, and you're like, why are you angry, Jonah? You know, what what's your frustration with this? Why is it a big deal that, you know, God has forgiven the Assyrians? And and then you get to the end of it, and it's, you know, Jonah's all still all ticked off, and it, it just stops. And the point of that is to realize that this isn't about Jonah. This is about you. And this is about how how do you react to the people that you hate, the people that he you've that have mistreated you, that have legitimately mistreated you, because the Assyrians were awful people. If you go and look at all the things the Assyrians did, they like would flay people alive, you know, and like they would they would torture people and um, and sacrifice children and stuff like that. I mean, like they were awful people. Jonah had a lot of reasons to hate the Assyrians. But what Jonah, what the book of Jonah challenges us with is to say, who are you going to be? Are you going to be Jonah? Are you going to continue to be mad at those people that God forgives because you hate them? You know, you don't want them to have mercy. Or are you going to recognize that 
they're just as valuable as you are um, and and appreciate you know God for the mercy that he pours out both on you and others um, when they've when they've wronged him so it's just a but you don't ever all you know as a child about Jonah is a big fish yeah that's all any kid, oh, kid will tell you I got so mad yeah like when I read when I read that and I looked up all the stuff about it I was like man and yeah. the, and we're still doing it yep for sure, and, and and it's not something you know. Like we don't. It's kind of disappointing because it you know whenever you consider, um, you know, corporate worship, I guess, mm. um, right now, you know, we it, it tends to be something where we are, um, where it's more of a hoorah kind of thing, where you take you know three or four scriptures from the New Testament. And you base your whole the whole thing around it, and you know there's really not a whole lot of meat to it. And you don't really like we don't know what we believe about the Old Testament mm-hmm. for the most part. Like the majority of Christians don't know. I, I feel like don't know the Old Testament and I are scared right. scared of reading the Old Testament because of what it may, uh, what what they're afraid of, what they're afraid they're going to uncover about I, it. I had a I used to be and like someone that found no value in the Old Testament mm-hmm. and just saw it as like a history of Israel. Right. And reading it now, it's it just, there's so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Like just, just that points to Jesus Christ, that points just to just to who God is. It's just so amazing. Yeah, it's so I mean, amazing. The, the, when, when we think about the scriptures, whenever Paul writes that every, um, that scriptures are, are, are good for, um, for training up and for, for learning from, uh, that he's not talking about his own letters. He's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. He's mm. talking about um, the you know, books of Joshua. You know, he's talking about Obadiah and you know, things like that, which nobody... Habakkuk. Yeah, Habakkuk. <laughs> Nobody's read Habakkuk, but Habakkuk is beautiful. It is yeah. a beautiful, beautiful piece of literature, and nobody knows it. And, um, and that's frustrating for, you know, like... It just makes me really sad, I mm. guess, that we don't. And I'm just—I was just as guilty of that. Yeah. And so, as I to to start opening up that scripture and realizing it's not something I need to be scared of, um, and that it's it is it's something that needs that we need to know and that we need to read. I mean, the um, even you know this is New Testament, but um, I think both you and I have you know came to Francis Chan's book and where he mentions. Um, that we are, we're a group of people that say that we, we believe in, in what the Bible says and, um, and that we believe that it's all God inspired, that it's written, um, you know, it's basically, it's God inspired writing through man and where he uses us to do that, um, and what allows us to play a part in that. And we have the book of revelation that says like, Hey, the, the, the person that reads this out loud is blessed, you know, like this is something that everyone needs to do. Like that—that's what Revelation says about itself. Yeah. When was the last time you've ever <laughs> ever read out loud Revelation? You know, uh, even in a church service. Yeah, and and not with the not with the uh, intent of being like, all right, what's the apocalypse going to be like? Yeah. You know that which it wasn't what it was intended for. Um, another context, a mm. cultural issue. <laughs> um, but you know the book. Like, we're we'd never ever do that, and yeah. that's like why we believe. So we say that we believe that it's um, that it's God inspired, but we treat it like 
it's like just another. We devalue book. it so yeah, much. Yeah, we just treat it like it's just another book. Oh. I mean, where nobody reads it. I mean, you know, and we're all guilty. I mean, no, I, no, for sure. Like in high school, like middle, like middle school, even in college, some parts. Like I, I, I just, I, it's not that I didn't see any value of reading scripture. I just. I just didn't care for it. Like I thought I knew all the stories, I thought mm-hmm. I knew all the means, and it's just to to see like everything come to light down. Not everything, of course, but just the things that we've been reading. It's it just it's like man, I am yeah. an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I think it's just part of growing mm-hmm. as a Christian, and um, you know you can't know everything. We're yeah. never we're not going to know everything. Right. But what God does want from us is that we seek Him out and yep. that we continue to. And that's what the scriptures are there for. And it's it's sort of like a diamond. If you turn it, you know, you can look at a diamond facet one way and you turn it and it looks a totally different other way in the other in another face, you yeah. know. And um, so it's just like you keep uncovering unco- more and more of what God has for you in the scriptures. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm starting to learn that. Are you a minister? <laughs> no. So yeah, I guess I am, but it's not like I'm not like a paid minister. You're not a paid minister. You're not on no. staff. You're not called a minister. Then how do you know all this stuff? I'd go research it on my own and read scripture. And so we have all these tools. Yeah. To help us grow deeper in scripture, what give the audience? What are some things that you use as far as like commentaries go or websites that you go and use? You so the main the main thing that I use in our Bible studies that we do every week. Um, is uh, I primarily go to uh, Blue Letter Bible. Um, it's an app that you can get on your phone. Um, it's something that Sean showed me. I guess when we started doing Sean White Youth yeah. Ministries, Praying Church of Christ. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's something he showed me whenever we started going through uh, in-depth study of of um, the miracles of Jesus. And so what it does, I mean, it's just got built into it um, where you can you know you can click on a scripture. And see what the root words were of it, what the Hebrew words are, um, what the Pentateuch, if it's in the Pentateuch, what the Pentateuch words were, um, what the Greek was, and Paul's letters and things like that. And you can see what their meanings are, how they're translated in different parts of Scripture. And so you can try to dig a little bit deeper with that. And then also in that app, you have um, David Guzek is is primarily one that I read because uh, he combines a lot of different other commentaries. But I mean, it's really simple to go through there and see like a, one you know one section of scripture, and then he gives some commentary on it and a little bit of background. Uh, in other places, you may find something similar to it, and there, there's all kinds of that in there. there mm-hmm. Matthew Henry is a is a real old school uh, comment. You know, he's got a whole book. I've got his book downstairs, but you can get the um, you can get the commentary on the Blue Letter Bible as well. Um, but we are not sponsored by a Blue Letter Bible. No, <laughs> no, we're not. But uh, but we could be, right? Yeah. I guess uh, if we get above twenty subscribers, I <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, yeah, that's the primary thing that I use, and then I've got some Old Testament. Uh, you were reading earlier Gosh. that Old Testament. Book we don't even need I, to get into that. That that, uh, that I got uh, from from school from the from the class that I had whenever I was a freshman that challenged me. Yeah. Um, you know that was something that I never read. I've had it all this time. I've never sat down and read it, and it was it, it opened up so much more of scripture to me uh, to realize you know what the what their cultural context was and who who was around them who who were they influenced by. 
you know, the Israelites were heavily influenced by Egyptians and Assyrians and Canaanites and mm. all of these other, how did they relate with those people? And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the, I mean, the primary thing that I use is, is that blue letter Bible, but ultimately, I mean, just get, you know, just getting a Bible that's got, um, you know, that's got footnotes and stuff in it. I mean, pay attention to footnotes and pay attention, you know, get something. Uh, I guess my main Bible is a, uh, Zondervan, uh, Zondervan, Zondervan, uh, NIV study Bible. I mean, and that's, it's, it's super helpful to have that and like just different notes and commentaries that go along with the scriptures. So it's just that easy. It's just that easy. And you can just, you can just Google, you know, commentary on yeah, John for sure. five. Yeah. I, I mean, love, it's all out there. Yeah. I love enduring Bible study or Bible word. I don't know. I have a tab that goes into it. Just it combines a lot of different commentaries and quotes on like every chapter of, mm-hmm. and so I really love that one. I I think for me the biggest thing that we kind of miss is the cultural context and the historical context, mm-hmm. and so you and especially in Jesus's ministry and reading about his um, just his parables and the when he talked, especially when he talked to um, Nicodemus. No, not Nicodemus. What? Well, yes, Nicodemus. Not Nic- what. Um, Nicodemus when he came at night. Yeah, John part of the Sanhedrin. Yeah, when he talks about when he talks about how he tells Nicodemus that um, to be born again, mm-hmm. and how the Jewish context of the Jews felt like they were already born again; they were the chosen people, mm-hmm. and that they didn't need salvation because they already received it. And yet Jesus says this thing, and you just read over it, and so yeah, born again. But to to Nicodemus seeing that, hearing that, he's like, wow, like this is this is something different. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that you know we're just inheriting. Like we we have to commit to Christ, and and you know, but that to me is the biggest thing for me. Yeah, is just knowing that helps you understand, especially the Gospels, in my opinion. But. Yeah, yeah. I think ultimately, though, it's just you know we um, you know if we claim to be followers of Jesus um, and you know want to be more like Him, you have to ask the question of like why are we not diving into mm into into the word of God that he that he knew um you know and what he con- he constantly con- you know references you know from every every time he's challenged he's going to scriptures uh and he I don't I don't really believe any of Jesus's teachings were new teachings mm. uh they're all from you know Deuteronomy and Leviticus and examples from um of David from you know from uh first uh, and second Samuel and you know he he's taking all of these things and he's not it's not really new teachings he's just saying you know this is what you know here's another way to put it in what God really intended for you guys you know love God love others is not a new commandment that's a commandment of you know of scripture that was already given to the Israelites and they just chose to see the others as just themselves and which is odd but um that's just how they viewed it they were like you know who's our enemy who who's who is our neighbor you know um and whenever you go back and read it you realize that jesus is just pulling from all of this stuff and making it um making it new to them but garrett you are truly a local treasurer <laughs> you have anything left to add uh, anybody you want to thank or uh recognize for giving you this I definitely want, to, definitely want to thank my wife for you are the me worst. Uh, you are the worst. Sean White, 
really bad youth minister or yeah. the u- worst youth minister? Oh, he's great. Okay. I don't know. I mean, he's not the greatest, but he is great. He's a he's a very good youth minister. For sure. I was totally kidding. No, but, but you I'm just not. ruined but my entire. But I'm not. I know, but you just it's. I do this every time. Oh, really? And you just re- yeah. We, of course, I don't listen clearly to you your don't. podcast. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. We'll just edit just that like out. nobody's gonna listen to this podcast. I've had consistently eighty four streams. Eighty four. Uh, did you just listen to it? No, I listened to it once on Anchor, and uh-huh. then I convert it into iTunes. Okay. I'm producer, creator, and engineer of this podcast. Engineer. Oh yeah. You want to claim that title? That's actually actually like illegal for you to claim. You to be are the most. You cannot claim to be. You are a thorn in my side. Yeah. Anyone? This was a great podcast until two minutes ago. <laughs> Anything left to add? Uh, no. I mean, it's just what you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I'm good to go. Okay. Thank you, Garrett. Hey, handshake. Yeah. All right. Yep. We didn't do it. Homefield Disadvantage presented by. What's your uh, engineering company? Sergeant and Lundy. Pre- what? Sergeant and Lundy. Presented by Sergeant and Lundy.